0: A spirit named Swaz, short for swastika, has been haunting the Parkland shooter, as it was stated in court that he worships the devil, hates Jesus, and God, and Christianity. As we look at lawlessness increasing, and the love of many growing cold in the end times. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at really end times markers. Because when it comes to end times, when it comes to the markers of the end times, we should be paying attention to these things. And when things are revealed in court or not revealed to us and to the public, we should also be paying attention to what is going on and ultimately looking forward to our redemption drawing near. Now, a lot of this comes piggybacking off what has been going on in the courts when it comes to Nicholas Cruz. For many of you, you know the infamous Nicholas Cruz from his shooting from Parkland. So I'll read to you. It says, On February 14, 2018, 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz opened fire on students and staff at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida murdering 17 people and injuring 17 others. Cruz, a former student at the school, fled the scene on foot by blending in with other students and was arrested without incident approximately one hour later by nearby Carroll Springs police. And prosecutors have investigated and talked about a pattern of disciplinary issues and unnerving behavior by none other than Nicholas Cruz. And in court, as you can hear right here, He his psychologist, Dr. Michael Brannan, is going to talk or going to talk about some of their interviews and some of the things that he had stated to him.
1: Okay, how did the swastika come up? So I asked him last time that he cut himself and he says day of the incident. So I didn't know if that was after, you know, he was in jail or detained or if that was uh, so he said before. Uh, I asked him where he said at the house. I asked how many. He said probably five or six times. Then he said it didn't. I asked if he felt better, and he said it didn't work. I asked him if he had been hearing voices on the day of the homicide, and he said the same man. I said, when was the last time? And so this is May of 2019, May 8th, 2019. And he said Sunday. So that would have been in 2019. He pretends my radio is a gun and tells me to pretend it is a gun and to shoot the guard. I said, well, who is this? And he said, swastika. He calls himself swaz. I said, how did? Okay, so? I don't, well, I don't want to hear him. It's not comfortable. So you didn't bring up swastika? He did? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't. It's the first time I ever heard of that. Okay, do you know about the swastika now? I do know that he is drawn and that he has related to others about, you know, what he considers another personality named Swaz or a voice named Swaz. So are you saying that Swaz is short for swastika? That's what he was saying, yes. Okay, and the voice's name was Swaz. Okay, did he ever say anything about demons? I'm sorry, say again? Did he ever say anything about demons? Yes, he has. What did he tell you about demons? I have to go back and look. Uh, It's later on. I don't know if it was in the interview. I think it was later on. He's on and off. He mentions swaths or he mentions you know, a demon or I think on the last time I saw him, which was again my error, you didn't receive that until yesterday, but there was something in there. Um, Now I worship the devil. I hate God and Jesus and Christianity. Uh, The Antichrist told me so there's a lot of discussion that he drops, particularly when he's angry about demons or Antichrist or the devil. So yeah, I mean, I've heard it before.
0: Now notice a couple of really harrowing different statements that he had made there, that he worships the devil and that he hates God and Jesus and that this, this spirit, this demon that comes to him by the name of Swaz, short for Swazka, something he was carving into himself, was telling him to kill people. And it is a really sad thing to hear. And when I look at this, it just breaks my heart, uh, the lies that are told and these familiar spirits that go about really truly haunting people. And you think about when people have committed heinous acts and afterwards then killing themselves, either by doing it and inflicting the wounds on themselves or suicide by cop or whatever they may do. But when we look at this, we also remember Judas himself. It said that Satan had already entered him and that ultimately he was throwing down coins and, and whatnot. They ended up being buying a potter's field and, and so forth, the field of blood that then took place when he went out and hung himself on a tree. And you think about that when you look at suicide as a whole, when you look at murderous rampages and so forth, over and over again, we see Satan's Handprint, we see his fingerprints in all of this, and it's interesting because when we look at specifically juxtaposed with another shooting, one the Pulse nightclub shooting that happened on June 12, 2016, that was committed by Omar Mateen, a 29 year old man who killed 49 people and wounded 53 others in the Pulse gay club shooting that happened in Orlando, Florida we see that the motives a lot of times are hidden from us. In fact, I'm sure that a lot of you had no idea that this video came out of the psychologist talking about the devil-worshipping that the Parkland shooter is doing, and nobody really heard about it. It was just put alongside, and it wasn't really in the headlines all too much. And also for the Omar Mateen, uh, Omar Mateen, who ended up— Murdering uh, so many different men at the gay nightclub, Pulse nightclub, a lot of their motives are kept quiet when it comes to the media telling the public and even people involved in law enforcement allowing the public to know what some of their motives are. And you can hear right here in this Think about this. This shooting happened in June of 2016. And this was not released to the public until October 31st, almost November of 2016. And this is where Omar clearly tells you what he was doing and his motives because there was a lot of media attention stating other reasons for his murderous rampage. I want to let you know I'm in Orlando. And I did the shooting. That's what triggered it, okay? Okay. Okay? They shouldn't have bombed and killed Abu Wahib. I pledge allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi of the Islamic State. Now, notice how you cannot get around what his motive truly was. And the reason why I want to look at both of these things, as well as the media keeping certain things hidden from us, one of the things that I want to point out is the fact that whether it's somebody saying, I worship the devil or Allah or any other false religious system, over and over again, we need to recognize the reality of Scripture that tells us that there is a spirit of the Antichrist. It says in 1 John that you've already know that singular Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists have entered the world. Those who deny the Father and the Son. And so when we look at the text of Scripture over and over again, we see so clearly in Ephesians 2.2 that the prince of the power of the air is working through the sons of disobedience. And those sons of disobedience are any who do not come to the light of Jesus Christ. Any who do not come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they are condemned with the wrath of God on them, abiding on them already, according to John chapter 3, and they haven't come to this and therefore are a temple of demons or idols, as Paul describes in Second Corinthians chapter six regarding believers from non-believers. As first John describes in 1 John chapter 3, those who practice righteousness are righteous, just as he is righteous, but those who practice sin are of the devil. Their father is the devil, the father of lies, and he will use them. Over and over again to not only come and attack the church, but also keep people from coming to the light. As 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the eyes of the non believer that they may not see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. And when we think of 1 John as well, says what, says what of Satan? That the whole world is under the power of the evil one. So we recognize this, and this shouldn't take us to a place where we just are apathetic to everyone in the world. This shouldn't take us to a place where we no longer are loving those who are lost. This should not take us to a place where we allow our love to grow cold. And I want to point this out because— It is so important for us to look at what the scriptures say regarding the end times. And I'm actually going to read from 1 Timothy 4, verse 6, because that verse describes, as Paul is writing to Timothy, a pastoral epistle about the things, how they should be in order in all the churches, some of the things they should be talking about, some of the things he should be teaching, how how he should uh, live out his life as a believer, watching his life and his doctrine and doing so, save himself and those who hear him. And when we see this, one of the things, and I, and I want to give the context, but let's read verse 6 first and then read the rest of it, because why do we talk about the end times? Why do we talk about these wicked things? This is what he says in verse 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished in the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. Let's go back to verse 1. What are the things that he is supposed to point out to the brethren that will make him a good servant of Jesus Christ, that will keep his followers constantly nourished on the words of the faith? But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and in prayer. Now notice that specifically those things which is the next verse that follows, that are pointed out to the brethren, that you will be a good servant in Jesus Christ by constantly nourishing, by words of faith, warning about these doctrines, warning about the end times, warning about these things that are going to come, that some of the things that are listed there is the great falling away. Some of the things that are listed listed there are doctrines of demons, deceitful spirits coming, the hypocrisy of liars searing their own conscience, forbidding marriage and abstaining from certain foods, And I think of a number of false doctrines that are literally summarized in there that we could use and point, wait a second, what's a giant church movement that has forbidden certain foods and so forth, and they change depending upon the winds of time, but we look at the Catholic Church that forbid marriage from priests, and guess what? The Catholic Church has a ton of problems with pedophilia from those very priests, and then when we look that they even forbid certain meats on certain days and so forth. And then I think about the Hebrew Roots movement over and over again. When I think about the things that they forbid as well. But just specifically, when we're looking at these texts, we need to recognize them and say, wait a second, guys, we see all these things happening. What should be our heart? And I want to bring this back because that's the goal of this. The goal of this instruction is to find people with a sincere faith and to encourage them to have a sincere faith in Jesus Christ. Love from a pure heart. That's the goal of our instruction. That was the goal of Paul's instruction to Timothy. And when I look at this, this is a text in 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 15, which is a trustworthy statement. It's a statement that we should all be talking about and this should be in light of whether we're talking about the Pulse nightclub shooter, whether it's the victims or the person who perpetrated it, whether we're talking about the Parkland shooter. I don't care who we are talking about. This verse right here is something that should encourage us when we are sharing the gospel or even correcting false teachers. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, it says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among the. Who I am foremost of all. Paul was the chief of sinners, and this is the trustworthy statement that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost or chief of. I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy. What reason? So that in me, as the foremost, as the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, this is a statement we need to be not only fully accepting, but shouting from the rooftops. Because we need to be reminded of this when we're sharing the gospel, when we're sharing with false teachers, no matter who it is, no matter who we're talking about, we need to be reminded that Paul, God knew who Paul was. And God knew that he would be a glowing example of someone who persecuted the church, who was a chief of sinners because he was the one putting to death believers. He stood there as they threw their cloaks at his feet, as he watched as they stoned Stephen to death. And then he persecuted the church. And then guess what? Even after he came to faith, people didn't trust him. They thought, no, he's just trying to get in here And it was somebody like Barnabas coming alongside and know his testimony is true. He is really a believer. And then he met with the disciples, he met with Peter. And he talks about this in the book of Galatians when he talks about the false gospel the adding on of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's grace through faith and circumcision. And he talked about that false gospel and he said, "No, no, no. I received the gospel directly, not only from Jesus. I am a I'm a I'm an apostle that was not of natural birth. I came a little differently. Jesus came to me on the road to Damascus. But guess what? The apostles themselves delivered this gospel message and then I expressed to them the gospel message that I was preaching and they changed nothing from the message of the cross. Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, buried and rising again according to the scriptures, and he said they they added nothing to it. This is our the apostle Paul as an example so that we can know we cannot get to a place where we're saying this guy is too far gone. If they have breath, we're going to share the gospel with them no matter who it is, no matter the situation. We want to share the gospel and know that God can save them. And I was thinking about something specific when it comes to uh, lawlessness, because that's what we're talking about here, lawlessness. You're seeing the wickedness all over the world. And as we could describe it here, over and over again, we could look at a list. And I was looking at a a few different markers here, and I'm going to list just a few of them that Matthew chapter 24 tells us when it regards the end times, and when it regards the end times as what are some of the things that we should be looking for. Now, I'm going to read out that list, and then I'm going to read from Matthew 24. But these are just some of the things that I was writing down and thinking about. False Christ is a marker. Racism actually is a marker. Wars, famines, believers being killed, and mass apostasy. Now, I'm not just going to tell you that. You guys should always check anything we say with Scripture. But I want to read directly from Matthew, the 24th chapter. Because in Matthew, chapter 24, we are going to read over and over again these markers. And Jesus gets this three-pronged question. So he's going to talk about not only in this text the things that are going to happen in the end times, but he's actually going to talk about something that happens specifically right there in 70 AD, some 40 years from when, or less than 40 years from when he was giving uh, this sermon. And it's interesting because the apostles and the context is they're looking at the temple. And if you look at Luke 21 and Mark 13, and you see this discourse that Jesus is going to give, one of the things is they're looking at the temple. How glorious, how awesome is this, Jesus? Don't you love this temple? Isn't this so cool? And let's start at verse 1 says, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And if you look back at Luke 21 and Mark 13, you can see they were really glorifying it and seeing, oh, wow, how awesome is this temple? And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. He's already prophesying specifically what would take place in 70 A.D., then in verse 3, he says, And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, the tearing down the temple, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Just right there, there should be a prophetic understanding that, guess what? There are going to be people that mislead Christians. Attempt to mislead them. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. For nation will rise against nation, ethnos against ethnos, and if we could not see quite clearly this lawlessness that took place whether it was you know during the whole covid stuff and you had black lives matter and all of these protests going on you had i believe the media and i believe ultimately it's the prince of the power of the air working through the sons of disobedience trying to create a chasm so that Brothers in Christ would not have unity in love simply because of disagreements, because of this ethnic group against ethnic group, not recognizing the spiritual battle that was going on there, not recognizing that there are hurt people and we need to come alongside of them and weep with those who weep and recognize when there is injustice and point it out. And then also for us, to recognize when the enemy is coming to thwart us from being able to share the gospel with another ethnic group. Because the gospel, we are in America, at least I am, recording this. You might be somewhere else recording this. And one of the greatest things when I think about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that a Middle Eastern man not speaking the language that I speak died on a cross a horrible death and that death, because of the resurrection, I know the resurrection is true, because I am sitting here in America preaching in English a from a Bible that was written in another language from somebody who lived and died, and his ministry only lasted three and a half years, but for the last almost 2,000 years, the gospel has been spreading just like he promised, that the gospel would go forth not only from him, but he would die, And then his apostles, he would promise that the Holy Spirit would not be with them, but actually go inside of them. And then the gospel would leave Jerusalem, go to Judea, and then to the outer parts of the earth. And I am sitting here as fulfilled prophecy, bragging about Jesus and preaching that same gospel. And I love that. And so many people have been saved over and over again all over the world. And I love that song, there is room at the cross for you, there is room at the cross, millions have come, there's still room at the cross, there's room at the cross for you. That is the reality because 2 Peter 3.9 says when it comes to his coming, one of the parts of this 3 pronged question, when it comes to his coming, that guess what, he is not slow, but he is patient towards you, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But these markers, these wars and rumors of wars, these kingdoms against, against each other, the famines and earthquakes, all of these things are going to take place. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will wax or grow cold. And this is the verse I really want to hone in on. This is the verse that breaks my heart when it comes to talking about this, that when we see these things, when we recognize this wickedness, when we see the just absolute heart-wrenching heartbreak of the wars and rumors of wars, the famines, people dying, and we see all this, and we see the wickedness and the injustices and all of the things going on, that we would never get to a place where our love waxes cold, that we never get to a place where we forget that trustworthy statement that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, and when Paul said, for I am the foremost of all, I am the chief of sinners, and that I am going to be an example to people that so that we could know and express to others of with full acceptance that we can preach the gospel and anybody can be saved. That is something that we need to recognize. And when we see the markers of the end times, when we see also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the perilous times, and when it talks about those perilous times that will come, the word that is used there is also used as well in the scriptures to describe violence, okay, violent acts and so forth. And when we see these perilous, these violent times happening, that we would not allow our love to grow cold. When we see over and over again the wickedness that is coming and the true reality that we are not winning down here in terms of our perseverance and we're going to take over the seven mountains and we're going to convert the entire world and then Jesus is going to come back, we don't get involved with that because that's just as false as anything else. That's not going to take place, but we recognize ultimately our redemption draws near because Jesus Christ. And I and I think about this as well. I think about the Thessalonican church. I think about First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians, you have a situation where people aren't even working and they're not working because Jesus is coming back. And they're concerned as well. Because guess what? Hey, if Jesus is coming back, why are we going to put all this work together? Why are we going to do all this? And Paul says, if you ain't working, then you ain't eating, all right? If man is not willing to work, then he shall not eat. And also, what else is happening? Their concern about their brothers and sisters in Christ who have died, and they're not going to get to be with Jesus because they died before his return. And he says, no. No, that's not the case. That's what 1 Thessalonians 4 is talking about. We will not precede them. God will rise them as well. And then... Second Thessalonians, and I believe Second Thessalonians chapter 1 may be where a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ may feel sometimes, especially if you have little children and you see some of the wickedness going on, trying to be perpetuated to them, pushed on phones, pushed on internet, whether it's pornography, whatever it may be, all of this stuff that is going on. And we may see those things and we say, Lord, when are you going to bring about the vengeance that is due in your name? When is this going to take place? And he makes it so clear to them, when will their redemption happen? When he comes in flaming fire, when he comes to deal out retribution, that is when their relief will come. And then 2 Thessalonians makes it clear that there are certain events that Jesus speaks about, especially right after this. Let the reader understand about the man of lawlessness in that very chapter in Matthew 24, but then also we get to read about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there are a few events that are going to take place before we get that redemption, at least two. The Antichrist, the lawless one, being revealed, and the great falling away. And those things are going to take place. And for us as believers, that's what I'm paying attention to: is my great bro- my brothers in Christ that they would not fall away, that we continue to strive after, and not let our love grow cold, but that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, and we do everything we can that we would be poured out as an offering to reach those who are being led astray, who are being misled to stop them from being misled and also to lead as many people to Christ as we possibly can. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.